The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Coffee with a friend is like capturing joy in a cup. Welcome to the Coffee with Jenny B podcast, hosted by Jenny B, a lover of all things coffee. Each week, Jenny will chat about connecting over coffee, what brings her joy, and everything in between. A lot can happen over coffee, so grab a cup, sit back, and enjoy. Now here's your host, Jenny B. Hello and welcome to the show. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. What does that mean? Does it mean that the images that we see evoke so much emotion in us that we don't know how to describe how we're feeling? Is it that we don't need to say anything, just enjoy what we're seeing and thinking about the feelings that come up? You know, feelings of happiness, of joy, sadness, perhaps, a little bit of whimsy, something humorous. And when we think about how those images are created, it's really through the use of a camera that is used by a photographer. Now, when you think about photography itself, It's a medium which has the potential to convey thoughts and feelings. Photos represent ourselves and how we see the world. And photographers help us see the world through their eyes and through their lens. Today, my guest is a Winnipeg empowerment photographer who is also a portrait and wedding photographer since 2013. My guest is Chantelle Dion Enns, and Chantelle is going to share with us all her tips, tricks, stories, and how she sees the world through her lens and through her eyes. Welcome, Chantelle. Thank you, Jenny. It's great to be here. Thank you for being here as well. Uh, I've been following you now for a while, and I love, love, love the images that you post on your website, on social media. And when you think about photographers, you know, just like any other service industry, everyone does something slightly different. Because of your personality, it's because of your your why, of why you are doing it. And what I'd like to know is, what is your why and why did you get involved in photography? It's definitely not a single answer. Uh, My photography journey is definitely uh, a developing and a rolling one. As a kid in the 80s, you know, we had access to the disposable cameras. They were everywhere. You could pick one up anywhere. And I was definitely the person that had one in any given moment. So whether we were doing family stuff or I was out with friends or whatnot, there were those 24 or 36 exposures for me to capture the feeling of what we were doing. 
And I didn't actually realize that until I went back and looked at a lot of um, the photographs that I had printed from those days. And it's interesting when you look back at your history, knowing that something like this has been with you the entire time. But I didn't start photographing with purpose until I went on my honeymoon in 2008. And my husband had bought me a camera so that we could capture, you know, the feelings of the honeymoon. I'd never been anywhere tropical. We went to the Dominican Republic and just the colors and the people and the feelings and, and everything. I was just wanting to take that home with me. And when I did get home, I wanted to learn more. I wanted to learn more about my camera, more about seeing as a photographer, because there's definitely a way of seeing that develops. And I decided to take some night courses. But while I was doing that, I wanted to use the skills that I was learning. Because it's one thing to just walk outside and, you know, take images for an assignment that I have, but it's it's another to actually work in the field and, and do it in real time. So just so happened that a local dog rescue was looking for a photographer to photograph their new adoptees. And uh, and I decided to to work with them. And it's very interesting photographing a dog or an animal to photographing a human. And there's actually a lot of similarities just based on on energy, right? These dogs are coming from communities where they're wild for the most part, or they've been abandoned. And um, there's a lot of feelings that they can't convey. So you you have to really tune into that energy, that body language. And I really credit that portion of the beginning of my career with being able to feel and read and listen to people's energy when they're in front of my camera and, and create this whole experience that just elevates them when they leave. And so from animals, I went to people and people turned into weddings. And I was mainly a wedding photographer for about seven years. And it wasn't until recently that I decided to take empowerment and put it into all aspects of my portrait photography. So whether that be branding, boudoir, you know, glam photos, the projects that I'm doing, that sort of thing. It just, I wanted to expand that into something different. So it's, yeah, it's been a rolling journey. It definitely hasn't been one one instance that was long-winded, but you get it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. It's fascinating to learn about the why. I love that you started working with animals, you know, because you're right, animals don't have a voice. And so it's the energy, you know, and, and you mentioned patience, you know, patience is really important because I, I think about not just animals, but also children. You have to be patient and not just animals and children, but when you think about capturing that perfect moment. You know, I think about photographers that say for National Geographic or the nature or the birds or whatever is you're looking for that specific, whatever it is. And when you find it, you have to really be patient and wait for that perfect shot. Right. And also I think weddings too, because, you know, of course you, you get the wedding poses and the portraits and all the rest of it, but you want to capture those moments where you know, somebody's dancing with the lampshade on their head or something. Yeah, no, exactly. And and there's a learned anticipation that comes with that experience with photographing weddings and being in that environment. And you, you're waiting with bated breath, right? So constantly a camera to your face, just in the moment of, of waiting, there's this artistic anticipation that all of us carry at that point to just be waiting for something. And it's funny where you can actually start to feel the buildup once you've done it enough times, once you've been immersed in that uh, atmosphere for a long time, you, you can, you can almost see the energy build up and this moment unraveling. It's very, 
it's really cool. It's, it's really cool to hone that skill, grow that skill and be able to create uh, for people. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like it would be really cool. You mentioned about how your journey has evolved, how you started and then, you know, taking courses and working with different equipment, you know, because I, I can imagine that there's so many different types of cameras and, and not just cameras, but there are also, you know, the flashes and, and all the equipment that goes with it, which can be quite extensive and expensive. Yes. <laughs> But, you know, you want to make sure that you have the best, you know, the tools of the trade, because that that makes your job a lot easier and you don't have to worry about, you know, equipment failure and, you know, the camera not working for you or or whatnot. But I want to touch on, you were talking about the buildup of energy and and how I'm sure every moment is a little different. But having said that, do you use, um I don't want to say a template, but do you sort of have a an order of things that you do or is it just you know, you're in the moment and you're feeling whatever the energy is telling you to do. I definitely have an idea of a template. I go through with my clients a session discovery and we we create a mood board of, of ideas and feelings of how we would like the shoot to go. But if there's anything I've learned is that portrait sessions, even weddings will not ever go how you imagined they would go. Um, so I definitely leave room for exploration, change in energy, inspiration, especially through clothing and outfits or, or, you know, even props that my clients and I have, have spoken about before. Uh, I definitely like to have the availability of exploration where we we're inspired in the moment and it wasn't what we were originally thinking, but this is what we're, you know, feeling right now. Let's do it. And then it turns out some of them turn out to be, you know, the most favorite photos that we had ever done. So it's, it's a it's a general template, but for myself and and I know there's a lot of photographers that do have a template. They they have very consistent work and they thrive in that environment. And this year has been a huge discovery year for me, in the sense that I I don't show up the same way each time because for me each session is different. Each of course because each person is different. The energy is different. The uh, desires are different and. I have started to honor that as opposed to get wrapped up in the quote unquote lack of consistency. I still have a style, but not every shoot is going to be on the same backdrop. They're not going to necessarily have the same lighting. Just I like to honor the differences, basically, for for lack of a better phrase. I, I just I like to flow in that sense now. I love that because I find that for myself as well, that when you try to plan too much or try to, you know, put things sort of in a box, so to speak, you know, that you have, you know, check, check, check all the things that you're supposed to do. I find it takes away some of that flow, some of that energy, some of that spontaneity, you know, some of that authenticity that people really want to see in the photos. You have your poses, of course, you know, if you're doing like a a headshot, right? But when you're in an environment like a wedding or a birthday or even a sad occasion like a funeral, right, you want to capture those emotions. You know, you talk about how a picture can evoke different emotions. Well, you as the photographer, what you're hoping to get are those emotions that you can capture and not just for yourself, but for the people that are going to be enjoying those photos after you're done with it, right? Yeah, exactly. When it comes to my portrait sessions, I definitely have poses that are my go-to. But when it comes to 
the other aspects of it. Yeah. I just, I've learned that for me anyway, it can't, it can't always be the same just because of the different people. And for a while I was, I was almost thinking it was like a failure in a sense, right? Why can't I, I produce this extremely consistent work and have all of my sessions look the same and feel the same, et cetera. It's because I don't show up the same and my clients are not the same and I shouldn't be trying to put them into this little box. So I have a style, but it's ever evolving right now, basically. And I'm happy for it. I've, I've, I've let it go. Right. And just let it evolve as we, as we learn and as we grow. And you know, I I totally agree with you because sometimes you, you have to let things go in a sense of the way you've been doing it and how you described that each session, each person is different because the energy is different. And I want to touch a little bit about energy because for myself, I'm more of an empath and I suspect that you are as well. Big time. Right. And so we tend to take on the energy of the people that we're with. And so depending on what what the emotions are, and it's hard sometimes to separate, okay, is, is this my thing or is it your thing? Am I am I feeling nervous or are you feeling nervous? And so how do you separate that for yourself? Because I imagine that, you know, for instance, if you're doing, let's say, boudoir, right? Or if you're doing any kind of branding, and it's people that are being vulnerable in a sense, right? And not everybody is comfortable being vulnerable. And sometimes there's the nervousness that comes out of it. And so, well, two-part question. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I love two-part questions. Okay. So first part is, how do you separate or distinguish between, are you nervous for them or, or you're absorbing their nervous or it's, it's their nervousness? And then how do you get them to sort of calm down and, you know, really enjoy the moment? Two-part question, two-part answer. So being an extreme empath like myself, it took a learned experience and hyper-focus to distinguish between my energy and their energy. And not only is like, for example, boudoir vulnerable, every photo shoot is actually really vulnerable. I mean, taking selfies, you know, with our phones is is one thing, but we we take 30 before we are happy with one. Um, so there's that level of vulnerability. But when you lose control of the image, the vulnerability is, you know, amplifies, it's, it's still there. So every, every session I go into, there's a level of vulnerability that where these people are just kind of laying down their control. And Again, it, it took me a lot of practice and a lot of self-realization to realize when I was feeling their energy and what was mine. I always go into a session a little bit nervous, more excited nervous now, only because there's a lot of I put a lot of pressure on myself to, you know, create these incredible images that people are going to love right off the bat. But now I I can realize or go into a session with calm energy like I did when I was working with animals. So realizing that I needed to be this calm being first before I could go into the session and project that energy into it. And the second part of the the answer, what really helps I find is music. I love to either get my clients to put together a playlist or I have a bunch of music, you know, based on what we're feeling that day. And when we're able to focus on something else, than our nervousness or our bodies or, you know, all of these other insecurities that we might be feeling, you get lost in the moment and you're, and you're present so that the music distracts the mind. 
I feel like you can't be nervous and have, listen to a really good song at the same time. I feel like it's impossible. <laughs> you can't sing the lyrics and be nervous at the same time. So when we find a great playlist, it really takes all of that out. And I like to begin with like a little dance, you know, just free your limbs, free your body, kind of just shake it all out, right? Music is a, is a really big part of the session just to alleviate all of the stresses that even myself, but my client might be, might be feeling as well. So it really helps. Mm, I love that. I love the idea of music and dance, you know, just getting up and kind of moving. You know what I do with my students, you know, before they do a presentation and uh, this is the uh, oral communication is, well, first of all, we do some breathing, but then I get them to make funny faces, you know, like yawn and, you know, <laughs> and for whatever reason, they're laughing and, you know, kind of loosens things up a little bit. So yeah, whatever, whatever you can do to make them feel comfortable and then it's a party and then you're having fun, right? Exactly. And it's funny, you should mention the funny faces. There's something that I want to start trying in, in, in the new year with my sessions in the beginning. There's um, oh, a photographer that I, his name is, is slipping my mind right now, but he works with celebrities. And at the beginning of his sessions, he does just that. He he sits them down and they're kind of leaning on, whether it be a table or whatever. And he'll do this exercise where he'll make them do, you know, funny faces or, you know, a face with a prompt that he'll say, you know, what was your last birthday like or something like that, right? And their face changes. And so he'll start taking photos and he'll create this, this nine up basically where there's nine different photos of these different faces. And it's an exercise of loosening people up before you dive right into, you know, the official business of the photo shoot. And I did, I want to start doing that to document the like release of the nerves, right? You can see it in the, when you get to the last photo where they're just completely free. And then, you know, you can start with, with a fresh slate. So I want to start doing that in, in my sessions as well this year. I love that. And something else just popped into my head sometimes. And I've been to a, a session where they're just taking photos, like I'm talking and I'm just doing whatever. And they're just like, just ignore me. I'm, I'm just in the background. I'm just taking photos and whatever. And for me, that felt like I was more comfortable because I didn't have to, I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to be anything. I didn't have to follow anything. I was just being myself. And so when it was time to actually, you know, take the photos, I was really present. And you mentioned that about being present, like yourself being present, but also helping the participants who are in the photo also be present. Yeah. There just, there needs to be a, a, a bit of a process before you jump right into, into the session. Cause there's just, there's a lot of nerves, you know, you're just a ball of nerves. Your clients are just, you know, what do I do with my hands? What do I do with my face? I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And so if you just, you take that all away and you just ask them to just like sit or dance or something, and then they hear the click of the camera and it starts to become this whole thing and the relaxing starts to happen. It's really great. So the camera really is just in the background. It's, it's not even the forefront. It's, it's like, it's almost like they forget that the camera's there. Exactly. And that's the goal. Yeah. I know that's smart. I love that. I want to touch on your empowerment aspect of your photography because I love that you bring that into all aspects of what you're doing. Even like you say, the wedding photography and the portraits and everything, because it's really helping to empower your subjects, your your participants, the people who who have hired you to capture whatever it is that they want you to capture for them. It's giving them the power to be themselves, to really... Um, share their emotions, to be themselves, 
not to be something else because sometimes we think that we need to be something else, you know, like we're posing and we're like super stiff, right? Yep. But it's, it's almost giving us permission to be ourselves. And I want to talk about your 40 over 40 project. So tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. So I, I'll go back to the empowerment portion first, because in, in recent years, empowerment photography is very much linked to boudoir intimate style photography because it's, it's a huge way for folks, especially women to get more in touch with themselves, you know, step into this power that they thought, you know, that they had lost. And one thing I've learned is that when someone wants to feel, when they say, I want to be sexier, I want to feel sexy, that's power. They want to feel powerful. They want to step into the power control. Do you know what I mean? And that was, that was the main avenue that was available to people to step into that power, to feel that way. And I thought, well, not everybody wants half naked images of themselves. And uh, how can I take this and expand it into what I'm already doing? So I started working with intention in everything that I do from headshots, uh, full personal branding sessions, uh, and then of course, bringing it into boudoir. And then the 40 over 40 session, because as I was photographing my clients, I was noticing a trend in the age group that I was starting to photograph. I myself am turning 42 in March, but as I was working harder at being intentional with empowering people, a lot of folks around my age and older were very interested in what I was doing. And the 40 over 40 project actually spurred from this online education that I'm a part of, the portrait system. I've been a part of it since 2017. It was formed by an incredible portrait photographer named Sue Bryce. And they talk about in the education campaigns, portrait campaigns of of how you can niche down to a group of folks, whether it's just like moms or for me, you know, folks over 40 and create stories and have them, you know, tell their stories of their journey in whatever niche that you're, you're looking at photographing. Uh, one in particular, they called it wise women uh, that, you know, worked with folks over 40, over 50. And I noticed a lot of other photographers around the world were doing 40 over 40 or 50 over 50. And so 40 over 40 means 40 women over the ages of 40 or 50, whatever you choose over the year. And so you photograph them and tell their stories, specifically my, you know, aging stories. I I wanted to hear their story of aging and how they feel now. And this was before the Lisa Laflemme situation where, you know, there's a lot of ageism in media and uh, how folks over 40 are treated and discussed and whatnot. And the project sort of evolved over, over this year in the fact that these women were seeing it now happening in the media and identifying more with the project after that sort of went live. And I've been so lucky to have these people be in front of my camera and be vulnerable enough to tell me their stories and why they wanted to do the project and why they wanted to connect with other people to do the project themselves. And it's just... I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling, but it's it's a really cool thing to have someone in front of your camera and telling their story of how they they felt aging, right? You know, someone, I'm 42, I don't know what a 64-year-old woman feels like or what her journey has been, and to listen to those stories and and have that that experience has been 
really humbling and really cool. And I just hope this project is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, basically. Well, first of all, you were not rambling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, where am I? What am I doing? <laughs> I just get so no. passionate about it, right? I'm just like, this is fabulous. Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head. It's passion. You're very passionate about what you do. And the passion comes out not just in your work, but also in how you talk about it. It's the energy. It's the love that you have for what you're doing. It's your purpose. It's your why. And it comes out so clearly. So no, you're not rambling. And what you were saying made <laughs> Perfect so sense. Much sense. Good. Love it. Okay. It <laughs> so you mentioned that you don't know what a 64-year-old feels like until they tell their story. Well, I'm turning 63 in a couple of weeks. And- my story is probably different than every other 63-year-old out there because everybody has lived a different life. Right. And there's only one you on the planet, right? So Absolutely. Yep. And I think about my story and I think about, you know, the photos that I've had taken of myself. And, you know, sometimes I'll look at myself and I'll, I'll love what I see. And other times I'm hypercritical. It's like, oh, look at those wrinkles. Look at the gray hair. Look at this. Look at that. And then I stop myself because who cares? Like if somebody is looking at a photo of me, they're not saying, oh my gosh, look at all those wrinkles. Look at all that gray hair. Why didn't she dye her hair? Blah, 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 right? You know what they look at? They see my smile. They see my eyes. They feel the energy from the photo, which is bizarre to say because a photo is a still piece of whatever, right? It's not like it's animated where it's talking to you and it's a 3D thing. Yet somehow you can feel that energy. It's like, I know what that person was feeling. I know what that person was thinking at that moment that that photo was taken. Yep. And that's just it. Like we, we see ourselves through a very critical eye all the time. Even myself, I, I try to, to be very soft and have a good dialogue with myself. But we don't actually see the true version of ourselves. The only people, and it's crazy to think, the only way that our true version is seen is through other people's eyes. And not even my photographs are, quote unquote, the true version, because each focal length will capture someone in a slightly different way, slightly distorted, right? So the only version of ourselves that is true is the version that other people see. I try my best to convey that. I try my best to say to people, this is how the world sees you. I say that all the time. You know, this portrait, it might make you feel a little uncomfortable because you're not used to seeing yourself from this this way or in this, you know, light or in this outfit. But this is the way the world, you know, sees you and you should see it in the beautiful eye that they do, right? It's crazy to just wrap your head around that the true version of yourself is what everybody else is seeing, not what you are. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's through other people's eyes and people telling us, oh, you look so beautiful. I love the joy. I love the energy that I feel from you. You just look so happy. And sometimes we see that ourselves. Sometimes we are happy with what we see. And it's times where, you know, we're, we're trying to be critical and somebody's like, no, 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 really. You, you look so beautiful. And believe them. Yeah, believe them. <laughs> but it's a validation. Sometimes we need that validation. We need somebody to actually tell us, you look beautiful. I know it sounds sad that we can't think about that by ourselves, but we have those moments where we do and then other moments where we don't. And it's okay that we do. It's it's okay that we do because we're humans and, and the energy is ever flowing, right? So it's, 
but believe them, right? Absolutely believe somebody (laughs) when they say it because they are seeing the true version of you. Absolutely. Hi, it's Jenny. We'll get back to the show in a moment. But first, I invite you to check out my website, coffeewithjennyb.ca. That's Jenny with a G, where you'll find all the links to my episodes. You'll also find a variety of coffee gifts available for purchase, including my branded bag of Red Door Coffee Beans from Harrison's Coffee Company. As well, you'll find a link to join the Winnipeg Coffee Community Facebook group. I'll also be posting info about upcoming coffee tours and coffee nights. So keep checking my website for updates. You can also follow me on Instagram at Coffee with Jenny B. Now let's get back to the show. Now, I want to touch on something else that you offer, and that is mentoring. Yeah. I love the idea of you offering that mentoring service. So tell us a little bit about that. So my mentoring is very specific. It's for a very specific person. I had spent, oh goodness, almost 20 years to the day, short of a month, in a corporate world for, well, the last 20 years, basically. And my photography business was running alongside of it. So I spent 10 of those years also running my own business. And from those experiences, I have been able to work with folks that are what I call part-time professionals. There's a lot of, I don't know if stigma is the right word, but misinformation about people who work another job and are entrepreneurs, quote unquote, on the side, um, that it's just a hobby and that they're not as worthy in any industry that they're in than someone who is doing it as a full-time career. And I didn't think that was right. I could never find someone who was in the same situation as me, whether it be support groups or mentors or whatnot. They had never had the experience of running a business alongside of being in business. And my mentoring is for for the part-time professionals who um, do what I call fulfill their soul's purpose part of the time. And it's working with part-time entrepreneurs to, again, empower, step into their power and give them the confidence that they are valuable in their industry, that just because they have another job that might supplement income doesn't mean that you should not be charging their industry prices because you you still have to have a standard. You, if one day you decide you want to take this full time, you'll have this cushion and you'll have this knowledge of being able to be sustainable, right? So that is what my mentoring is all about, is empowering those folks to say, you're valuable. What you're doing is not just a hobby. Just run with it. And we need that support because as someone who was working full-time and I was doing something on the side, now that I'm doing this full-time, it's still almost like I have to prove something to the world that I'm I'm allowed to do this versus, yes, I am doing this. When I was photographing weddings, which I was doing primarily while I was working full-time, I wasn't taken seriously in the industry because I was quote-unquote part-time. It wasn't my full-time career. There's a huge thing about, you know, part-time photographers that they're just, oh, it's just a hobby. They're not 
real. They're not, you know what I mean? Like we're, we're figments of people's imagination. And so it's not just about photographers. It's, it's about, you know, makers, creators, any, you know, sort of creative person. Even I have a client in BC who's a lawyer and she's wanting to create a wellness area for folks in her profession because the, the burnout rate in that industry is exponential. It's huge. And so she saw a niche where she wanted to create this wellness area within the law industry. And again, she is technically a part-time professional at that point, right? So we had this whole conversation of developing uh, her, her area of expertise. And it's a space that I think the world needs to understand is important. These people are important. We are important. It's not a failure to not do something as a career, right? And one day it might be, one day it won't, right? I have folks that I know that are like, no, I just, I really like doing this part of the time. And that's cool too. You don't have to do anything full-time if you don't want to, right? Some people really love their full-time jobs. They really love being in whatever industry they're in, but they have a creative side or they have something else that they want to explore that is a business and it's viable and it's valuable and they should have a space and people that understand that. I love that. You know, when I think about how you and I met, we met through the Made to Grow group. <laughs> we did. And talking about making space and being supportive and empowering and really for, for women entrepreneurs, because that's what we are. We belong to a group of women entrepreneurs that collaborate, support, champion, cherish, enjoy, have coffee with. It's a safe and supportive group that I love to be part of. And all the women that I've met in this group, such as yourself and and all the other lovely women, you just feel like we're all friends, like we, we've all connected on a, on a different level. And I see that in what you offer in your business that really complements this. And I love that you offer that because you're right, there really isn't a lot out there for, first of all, for women entrepreneurs, part-time, full-time, it doesn't matter what it is. and also women of a certain age, right? That need to be seen, need to be valued, need to be heard. Because I've talked about this myself sometimes where I'm out and people take a look at me because I, I, you know, I don't look like I'm a 20 year old or even a 40 year old for that. Nor matter, should you, but, but yep. Exactly. <laughs> you almost feel like you're being dismissed because you're old. Oh, hundred percent. And judged. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And, and as soon as they see you, we're immediately, you know, judged on the, on the appearance and our knowledge is immediately dismissed. Right. I shouldn't say our, in a sense that I understand, you know, from where you are, your standpoint, but I could even feel it as I neared 40. And I thought if, if I'm feeling it when I'm getting, you know, 35, 40 years old, what is it like for the women older than me? Like it must be 20 times worse once you, you know, get 20 times older, right? And it's sure enough, it absolutely is. And it's very unfortunate because the the women and the knowledge that people are just dismissing is, it's a waste. So I'm doing my part little by little to elevate or try to and just shove it in people's faces, right? Like sort of off topic. I have a, a, a lovely friend and client who turned 50 this year and she decided that she was going to start creating these gorgeous uh, polymer clay earrings, gorgeous, gorgeous earrings. And, you know, 50, starting a new venture, starting a new business. And oh, that's Renee. That is Renee. 
I love her stuff, but she, you know, being 50 and she was a part of the 40 over 40 project as well. And we had the discussion of, you know, how scary it is as a, as a female entrepreneur, as again, a woman of a certain age starting a business, you know, some people are just like, oh, you're, you know, you're too old to do that. You're too old to be making earrings. You're too old to do whatever the absolute heck you want right? Like things are not reserved for people of a, of a certain age. It's not how that goes. Right. So just, and she's knocking it out of the park and I'm so proud of her and she's been kicking butt at all the markets. And those are the folks that I, I want to be working with and surrounding myself with and uh, immersing myself with. And you know what? And age is just a number because I was 50 when I started teaching Zumba. Right. I was taking classes and uh, the instructor said, you know, you should be certified to teach Zumba. And I said, ah, Who's going to want to take classes with me, right? Nobody wants a 50-year-old, right? Yes, they do. No, 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 no. Well, (laughs) but she said, no, 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 no. Do it, do it. So I did. And uh, it'll be 13 years in February that I've been teaching Zumba. Which is incredible. So, so incredible. And I think we dismiss our own selves, right? And our desires for something like that, for new ventures. We dismiss it because, again, who's going to want a 50-year-old Zumba instructor? Who's going to want everybody? Everybody wants what you have to offer. Everybody. (laughs) So never dismiss your desires whatsoever. It's there's a niche. There's somebody out there who's like, I wish we had this. Go and do it. I want to actually share a quote. It's a quote that you have on your website. And obviously it's a it's one of your favorites. It's also one of my favorite quotes. And I just want to read this. It's by Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. And it's a longer quote, but that was the portion that really sort of hit. And something that I live by as well is self-discovery that I wasn't scared of failing per se. I was scared of shining too bright for someone, of doing something too good that someone would be like, you shouldn't be that loud. You shouldn't be that bright. You shouldn't be, you know what I mean? You shouldn't be, you know how often we were told when we were little girls, you should be quiet. You should be sitting. You should be, do you know what I mean? And that, that follows into adulthood. And I I don't think anybody really realized it at the time until we get here and, and we start doing, you shouldn't be this. And that quote, again, is something that I live by and something that I, I hope to put on to folks to help realize that you should be doing everything that you want to be doing. I agree. It's owning our space. And and I feel the same way, you know, because I've been told, you know, many times that my energy is too much, that I'm too much. Go find somebody less then. (laughs) Yeah. And honestly, that person who might be less, I hope that they outgrow you as well. (laughs) I hope that they become too much as well. It just, we should all be too much. (laughs) I love that. We should all be too much. (laughs) We should all be too much. I love it. Yeah. I love that we own our space and that you allow us to own our space and you, you, you free us to own our space. You free us to be ourselves, to shine and to let our energy flow and to discover and uncover our authentic selves. And so I just want to say thank you so much for being you and providing that to those of us who can benefit from what you can offer. So I want to say thank you so much. Thank you so much. And as much as I can sit here and obviously talk about 
my craft in a professional way and seem like I have my crap together. This isn't a linear journey for anybody, even for myself. And there are days obviously that I struggle with things. And I think it's just the the want for something better that keeps me on the path and keeps me doing what I'm doing. Again, I make it look like I have everything put together, but I don't know if anyone saw the post that I had uh, posted, I think in my stories the other day, where it was beautiful embroidery on the front looks gorgeous. It's all put together. It looks like, you know, this person was extremely talented until you turn it around and there's an absolute horrid mess of string in the back (laughs) of it that you don't see. And it's a lot of us that look like that, right? We, we put this persona on that we know exactly what's happening, what's going on. We're perfectly put together, but in the back, we're just a mess of string. And that's really what it is. And the string is just as beautiful as the, the embroidery itself, but embracing the string. That's why I share a lot of random things on my stories in, on Instagram, because people need to understand that there's still a struggle. There's still, I hate doing my taxes. For example, I am not put together. I'm not the best business owner, but I know in a sense where I want to go. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'm bringing everybody along with me and it's, it's going to be messy. And one of my, my affirmations is take messy action. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just needs to go. It needs to happen. Just done is better than perfect. Right? So I am thankful that folks are resonating with what I'm creating that I'm meeting these people that I'm meeting and that what I'm doing is making a difference. I can get wrapped up in the doing and not remember what I'm doing or how it's affecting people. So I really have to step back sometimes and just like what I'm doing is real. You know what I mean? For for lack of a better phrase, it's it's happening. It's affecting. It's little change, one person at a time, little change, little change, right? I agree with you 100%. You know, it done is better than not doing it. And sometimes, you know, we overthink and we obsess and and then we end up not doing anything because we want it to be perfect, right? And there's no such thing as perfect. And it's going along on the journey, you know, and you talked about your own journey. We all have a, a journey. It's not even the the destination. It's not the end result. It's how are you getting there? What are you learning along that journey that gets you to that destination? Exactly. And that's what I've learned through through this 40 over 40 project, which I am rebranding for the the new year simply because folks that were over 50 were seeing the number 40 and just thinking it was the decade between 40 and 50. And they thought the misconception was that it wasn't for them. So I wanted to take the number completely out of it to encapsulate more of what we were doing. And so after speaking with, of course, the Made to Grow community and speaking with the participants that took part this year, we have settled on the legendary women. And I feel like that brings it all in into a whole other level and really, really says a lot about the project because the women that I got to meet this year are completely legendary and their their stories are legend. And it's been a really, really cool ride, for lack of a better phrase. I've been very very fortunate to to meet all of these amazing people and to photograph them. Yes. What an honor. What a privilege for you to be able to do that. And uh, I want to be one of your legendary women next year. Absolutely. Let's do it. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> Done. I love it. 
Well, thank you so much, Chantel, for being on and sharing your stories and your purpose and your why and, you know, really educating us about photography and empowerment and and really owning your authentic self. I really appreciate that. And I know my listeners are thankful and appreciative of it as well. Awesome. No, thank you for having me. Thank you for having this conversation and, you know, to, to help reach other folks that might resonate with, you know, what we're doing as well. It's amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. Until next time, own your space. Be too much. Be your authentic self. Don't be afraid to have your photo taken. Be a change maker. Be a legendary woman. And if you want to capture some beautiful photography, some beautiful images, please reach out to Chantel. I know that she will capture all the beauty that you have to share to the world. Thanks so much for listening. If you like Coffee with Jenny B and want to know more, connect with Jenny on Instagram at Coffee with Jenny B. That's Jenny with a G. Until then, all you need is joy and more coffee. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's take this outside. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at ivisonvoice.com slash podcast.